0: This is Pucks and Bolts with Casey Hudson.
1: What's going on, hockey fans? Welcome to Pucks and Bolts, an Odyssey original podcast analyzing the Tampa Bay Lightning in their quest to further cement this team as a dynasty and Tampa Bay as a hockey town. Pucks and Bolts will bring you in-depth insight of games and practices as well as storylines of your favorite players and coaches multiple times a week and especially now because we are officially in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So the best way to stay up to date on all of the excitement is to download the Odyssey app. Search Pucks and Bolts, hit the auto download button so that all brand new episodes are just sitting there waiting for you. I am your host, Casey Hudson. Joined by now, friend of the program, I think we could say, Ed and Cena. Ed, how's it going? How are you feeling up in Toronto and after game one?
0: Yeah, so obviously I, I tried to compare it to last year's and honestly, you know, the atmosphere going into game one this year, I felt that the crowd was much more louder, much more excited. I think that you know the way that the Leafs have played this year, and the way that you know they've just been so consistent this year. I think it led to a lot of optimism. And, and but at the same time, when you talk about the pressure, I think the there's two totally different facets of that from these two teams. I think that all the pressure has been on the Leafs, and really, you know, no one has really picked the Lightning to even win this series. You know, it's like you know that they haven't been to three straight Stanley Cup finals. So um, you know, just talking to guys going into this one you know, they feel that, you know, they didn't have any pressure on them. So, um, and I think that showed right away, you know, when you look at the way this game started, and it was obviously the, the best possible start for them um, mm-hmm. with that goal early on uh, from Pierre-Edouard Belmar in on their on the fourth line's first shift. And, uh, you know, from there on, they just kind of pounced on the net, pounced on rebounds. And, and that's something that the Maple Leafs haven't done this year. Um, and from there on, when uh, you know when that, that penalty got called on on uh, Brody, they they gave the Lightning a power play, and um, you know Nikita Kucherov hits that one timer with two seconds left. Uh, the place was quiet. It was so quiet. Um, they got it, it. totally changed with a span of you know a few minutes there. Um, I, I wrote my game story that you know, we we hear Dave Mishkin in in the in the press box uh, with, with his goal calls, and it gets so quiet that I could hear Mishkin with that Kucherov game call, you know, yelling goal, you know, from across (laughs) the press box. That's how quiet it was in that arena, which is entirely different from, you know, the anthem, you know, the go leaf goes chance, the, the white towels wave, the rally towels waving before the game. Um, And that's, that's really what it took. Like the lightning just took the Leafs, you know, the home ice advantage completely out of the game. And from then on, you know, really, it was just kind of a special teams game from then on out. And, you know, they, they, they won that matchup too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you pointed out a few things, being the fact that the pressures on each team are uniquely different and that the Bolts had an opportunity to maybe not feel so much pressure because they're the underdog in this situation, which has been talked about so much. Kind of taking that into consideration and with the Bolts coming up with a huge 7-3 victory on home, uh, home ice for Toronto, you know, what would you say? about the statements that say now it's just game one, the people that don't, that still don't want to give the Tampa Bay lightning that much credit. How much does that game one 7-3 victory actually mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny because, you know, even going into this game, you know, John Cooper was, you mentioned it m- many times. and I've asked him about it is, you know, they won that series last year, but they, everyone forgets that they lost game one, five, nothing. And mm-hmm. they really didn't look very good in, in Toronto in game one. So, um, you know, like you said, there's a lot of runway left in this series, and I think that's when that's when you know the Lightning's experience kind of comes to play here. You know, they know how to win, you know, postseason series, yep. and they know that because they know it's not just one game. They know it's you know the Toronto's going to come out there in Game Two and make adjustments to them, and and that's what you know has made this team so great in the postseason is the game to game adjustments that they've been able to make. You know, they know that you know. Samson off if, if he starts the net he's not going to have that kind of game again you know that, um you know that you know they're going to be uh you know protecting the middle of the ice better you know they're going to be concentrating on certain things that they didn't do in game one to improve in game two so um but th- but that's really what makes the lightning so good at this time of the year is that you know they they, they can you know anticipate those things you know the, the we always talk you know they always talk about the regular season being this dress rehearsal, you know, this 81 game dress rehearsal, but when you get to the postseason, you can concentrate on one opponent, you know, and especially an opponent that they know so well, like the Leafs, you know, even though there's a lot of different guys on that roster now, they know this team well, they know what they do well. Um, They know what they've done well this season. They know how they've improved. So, um, you know, again, a lot of runway left in this series, but, you know, for the Lightning you know, they have to feel, this is the best case scenario for them, you know, to, to mm-hmm. steal a game. They know they had to steal a game in Toronto. They have that in hand now. So yes. now it's about, you know, sticking to, the, you know, what, their system, sticking to what's worked and sticking to really, you know, th- I think this game is so much about mentality. You know, we talked about the physicality of it, yep. but, um, but it's so much about the mentality of knowing how to pull out wins. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there's so many things that Lightning have on their side, the experience, you know, number 88 net is, is you know, something that no one else has. And, um, you know, as long as they can keep, you know, doing that and, and focusing on that and focusing on maybe some of these mental edges that they have. And, you know, the more the Leafs have room to doubt and doubt mm-hmm. creeps in, there's no – I've never seen a situation like this in covering all the sports is how much a team has, you know, had – have have such a good regular season and then as things slowly start to go wrong for them it just kind of slowly <laughs> wilts away and you know this is obviously like i said the best case scenario for the for the lightning right now to kind of put that doubt in the least mind early on and Absolutely. then kind of go from there
1: yeah and you said two really important things ed that number one kind of the fact that this veteran group specifically knows how to basically not get ahead of themselves and take it game by game winning game one great thing to do, but they're not getting ahead of themselves. Another important thing you said was mentality. Both of those things make me think of the hype video that was released, you know, a couple hours before the guys hit the ice. And Corey Perry talked about emotions and how this is an emotional game. And emotions can either help run you into the ground. They can count you out of games. They can impact you in so many different ways, but this team knows how to use emotions to drive them over the finish line, which brings me to my most important question at the moment. The second period, we saw a lot of big hits take place. And then by the end of the game, we know that they ended up playing without Headman, without Turnock, without Mont And something that we saw a couple weeks ago versus the New York Islanders was that in the second period, when guys went down with injury, it just looked like the wind left the lightning sails. We didn't see that happen yesterday. And you're talking about two key defensemen and it, with a team that has been inconsistent defensively. Um, what did you see out of the guys emotionally how did you see them respond their composure their confidence when these three guys went out and the timing in which they went out
0: right you're right and and, and in that game in in Long Island we saw that when Jano went out you know it took a lot of steam out of them and I think you know when you saw that you know they had to recover from that it was one of those things where you know you was new on the team he had just kind of kind of getting into his own the team was playing well because of that and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you kind of felt this this lag after that but I think it is amazing how, I know the cliche is flipping the switch, right? But the way that they were able to do that last night, no matter what, was amazing. And you think about the experience. We always talk about the experience. But at the same time, when you talk about losing two defensemen, that put a big burden on two rookie defensemen and Darren Radish and Nick Purvix. And both of those guys played extremely well down the stretch in, in big minutes, in big time. You know, Darren Radish, you know, a Toronto guy, you know, playing in his first NHL postseason game you know, 29 years old, he's been through three organizations and he's waited for this his whole life. You know, then all of a sudden, you know, Victor Hedman goes out, all of a sudden he's running the second power play unit. Yeah. All of a sudden, He's getting, you know, big time minutes on the penalty kill. You know, when you saw Nick Perbix, you know, the, the, the one thing about these guys, and maybe it's taught to them in, 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 in Syracuse, you know, both of those guys are experienced guys. They're not, both of them are, are older than Mikhail Sergeyev. You know, I know. But, but, but you know, so they've played in big games. You know, Nick Pervert's playing the Olympics. You know, he's played in college hockey, big games, in, in the Final Four. So, you know, but these guys, I, one of the things that I was most impressed with that, you know, really people probably won't talk about because they really don't watch the Lightning outside of us in Tampa Bay, um, mm-hmm. is how those guys really, you know, shined in a really big moment, and they almost took, they almost kind of feed off the veterans, and it's like. It's no big deal. This is no big difference in any other game. You know, yeah, you know, we're in Toronto. Yeah, this is the Leafs, all this stuff. But those two guys, I've been so impressed with them, not just last night, but over the course of of us seeing them in their rookie years is nothing really gets to them. And I think that's why they're at this level right now. That's why they're trustworthy. And, you know, like I said, Darren Rash, you know, Nick Perbix made a huge stretch pass that probably no one even thinks about. When on, on the um, you know, to set up Ross Colton on a breakaway to close the game out, and once Ross Colton scored that goal, you saw all the least fans go to the exits. You know, a lot of them had already left, but at that point, it was over. So, um, I think when you're down to four defensemen, you know, you have Mikhail Sturgichev, you have Ian Cole, those guys are going to be the rocks, they're your veterans. You know, but getting that, that, that really big minutes, those really big playing time from those two rookies was huge, and especially going forward, because we don't know what the status of Victor Hedman and Eric Chernak is going to be moving on, going to the game two and beyond. So mm-hmm. it's going to be even more of a spotlight on those two guys. So, um, you know, we, we, we heard a lot at the beginning of the year about how this team was going to miss Ryan McDonough and Jan Ruda and no doubt they do miss them. But at the yeah. same time, it is amazing to see how these two rookies have kind of, uh, you know, taken the reins and kind of, you know, taking their cues from the veterans that, you know, this isn't, This isn't all that's, you know, don't don't make it be what it is, but also go out there and have fun. And I know that's what some of the veterans told those guys going in. And, um, you know, obviously a 7-3 win is is a lot of fun.
1: Oh, so much fun. And Coach Cooper said it too. He said how much, how important it is for him to tell the guys to just kind of own this moment and be in this moment. And for that to be a key part of advice going into such a big game, you can just tell how much these guys not only trust each other, but kind of mentally feed off of one another to let a message like that take them so far, because I think both of those guys were very present. I think a consistent thing around both of their um, games and skill set this entire season has been the fact that they're very composed. We know Nick Krobix has a great hockey IQ. Um, you know, Darren Radish got recalled up. I think he had 50 points in Syracuse and was crushing yep. it. An all-star there. That brings me to a question that's been lingering in my brain for a while now because Nick Perbix was the ultimate surprise. You and I talked about him so much a couple episodes ago, but it was the fact that everyone had the Tampa Bay Lightning picking up a defenseman at the trade deadline, and then it was just like the explosion of the brain when you realize that that didn't happen, and then that looked to be Darren Radish's position. Does this just speak to the fact that Julian Breezeball really is kind of a step ahead because – Nobody's saying it, but to some capacity, this team is kind of in a rebuild.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You, you, and and that's what happens when you win, right? I mean, that's what happens when you're when you win, and because of the flat cap, you know, you're going to lose guys. And I think, you know, again, like not to not to rip the national perspective here, but like, let's face it, a lot of people outside this market don't see the Lightning very much, you right. know. And when, when I see all the Leafs fans mentions and they're saying, you know. They're confusing darren radish for taylor radish and they're wondering who nick, they're wondering who nick Perbix is like it just shows that like and, and maybe this plays the lightning's advantage is that people just don't pay for a team that's been this successful people just don't pay that much attention to them, you know in the regular season and and so so now here here you are and you know would would they have liked to have picked up a defenseman i think so you know i, I think you know if luke shen had, had been available you know now they're playing against him you know that would have been great, you know. But you've got to make it work. You've got to make the deal work. Obviously, they don't have as many assets to, to trade away. But um, but I, I think the one thing that kind of goes un unnoticed again is the way the guys they, they pick really good guys with good heads. And yeah. like you said, you, the, the word you use is composure, and there's no better word than that when you talk about you know these two guys. Like the, the other day, I was talking, to you know, I guess a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Darren Radish, and you know, I just kind of asked him, was like, you know you seem so cool during all of this, you know, like, do, do, do you ever get kind of, you know, head in the sky, you know? And I think this is before, you know, he played his first game in Madison square garden and, you know, he's like, you know, you, you know, yes. I, I sit in this room sometimes. And I think to myself, wow, I'm playing with Steven Stamkos. I'm playing with Akita Kucherov. I'm playing with Braden point. But at the end of the day, it's about the hockey and a guy like him who like, like I said, has been through three organizations is 29 mm-hmm. years old, uh, 27 years old. And, you know, now, you know, it just had to be the right fit for him, you know, yeah. and he's found that right fit in this organization. It's funny, I, I mean, with him, you know, some of their their player development people saw him, they liked him, they felt that he would be a good fit in this system. And in this system where you have, you know, kind of, you know, lack of a better term, your alpha males in, in the blue line, like, mm-hmm. you know, like Victor Hedman and like Mikhail Sergachev, these kind of take charge guys and the guys that you need, are these stay at home responsible guys who can, who all, who, who they need to be comfortable jumping in a rush, you know? And I, I think one thing that that Darren Radish over the past two years in Syracuse has done is he's developed this all around game. You know, like you said, he put up big points in Syracuse this year. You know, he was playing on all three, all three, you know, like kind of lines special teams lines. He was playing on both special teams lines. Um, and, you know, he had to kind of over the past two years with, with, with Syracuse, he kind of developed this all around game, you know, he mm-hmm. got the defensive side of it, but two, but now you've got this guy who's in a responsible player on both ends. And that's really what they need. You know what I mean? They don't need guys that, that have to feel like they have to force it. And I think that fits in with Pervix and, and Radish. These are two guys who, you know, they're going to be responsible. You know, they're not going to really make mistakes. They're not going to force things. Mm-hmm. And that's really what they need because the other guys can do that. The other guys, you know, you need a big pay, play. Victor Heaven's going to be there. Mikhail Sturkachev going to be there.
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline
0: app today. Your savings are waiting.
1: To your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
0: Ian Cole is going to be there. You know, Eric Chernak going to be able to make a big hit. All these guys need to do is play their games and be, you know, make sure they 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 they're steady. And that's what they've done. And so that's that's really kind of the thing. Is like, you know, I look at all the the prospect rankings all the time and how the Lightning are always, you know, in the bottom, you know, bottom third of them. But when you look at I don't know if there's defenseman such an important position. And we always talk about how, you know, good defensemen take time to produce. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they, 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 you just don't become a really good you know, NHL defenseman. It's the hardest position to become elite in. And the lightning have been able to get these two guys. And, you know, I, I honestly wondered even no matter how cool these guys are under pressure that, you know, still like it's different in the playoffs, you know, it's, it's a brighter spotlight, you know, everything's magnified. Every mistake is magnified, but, at the end of the day, you know, you know, these two guys are really kind of, you know, made believers out of everyone who's paying attention, you know? And, you know, so it is, you know, when you talk about Julian and you talk about the scouting department, you know, the scouting department that saw, you know, Darren Radish as a free agent, you know, the, the scout, the amateur scouting that saw, you know, Nick Purbix as a, as a, you know, I think a six round pick back in, you know, six years ago or something like that, you know, um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a lot of people don't really pay attention to that, but it, it's really key because to sustain success, you need that, you know, mm-hmm. you can't pay guys all the time. You've got to develop them. So, um, mm-hmm. and, and and that's something that they've had to do. I mean, I, I, we, we've talked about a lot, Casey, is that the biggest question of this team I think was how they were going to kind of rebuild this blue line. And we look at it, you know, they, they've done it pretty well.
1: Yeah. And they're trying to the right direction regardless. And, The funny thing, too, is that they bring such an element of surprise to this roster facing the Toronto Maple Leafs round one Stanley Cup playoffs. But another surprise, and you mentioned you and I have kind of talked about this back and forth a little bit, this veteran group. Yesterday, I was kind of talking to a few different people about the fact that I stand by that. This is one of the most unique veteran groups in the NHL for a couple of reasons. You've got so many veterans on this roster. You've got different leadership styles. And you never know which guy is going to be the guy to get the tap on the shoulder or to say the right thing in the right moment to carry this team over the line Um, or even the silent influencers on the team. You know, Corey Perry is not the biggest voice in the locker room, but he leads by example. He's an energy that they just thrive and feed off of. What can you say about the veterans in this group and why they're so important in carrying over? Corey Perry hadn't scored in 25 games, picked up yesterday. Then you got the school bus line that's now reunited after AC Mott uh, jumped into the lineup. And you saw great work out of Bellamar. obviously. He picked up the opening goal a minute and 19 seconds in, which was so crucial. We saw big play, ferocious plays out of Pat Maroon, who's not talked about as much this season because his goal total was not as high. So what is it about these veterans that just playoffs bring them back to that, that skilled player that this team needs?
0: Yeah, you're right, Casey. It's a good point because I think that you know, there, there's veterans you talk and there's veterans who don't talk, right? Like you said, Corey Perry is probably a really good example of a guy who he might not say much, but when he says it, you know, people listen. And mm-hmm. it's because of his pedigree. And it's, and it's a lot of that pedigree was developed before he even got here. So, you know, you've got the guys in the room who've been those voices, like the Stamkoses and the Headmans, and then you, you throw in a guy like Perry who's been around the block with with a few teams, and, and, and that's a different experience. You know, you, Belmar, as much as, people don't know he's a quiet leader too. You know I mean? And and he's a quiet leader. He's a leader because of his path, you know, getting to the NHL at age 29, you know, this is a guy who should not be here, you know, and it should definitely not be here at 38, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, people, people want to listen to a guy like that because of how much he cherishes every game and every opportunity to play on the ice. Mm -hmm. And, but at the end of the day too, a lot of what these guys have talked about the past few days is about less talk and more do. And I think that they got tired a little bit of the talking and they just realized that they just had to go out and do this. Like it was, they were just tired of it. I think the word that Stephen Samkos used with me a couple of days ago was nauseating. you know, just all the talk. And, yeah. you know, so when you see, yeah, you know, like as much as, you know, Corey Perry can be an influence with his voice. When you see him, have the, the end of the regular season that he's had, like you said, no goals in 25 games, one assist in 25 games and go out there and be able to flip that switch and have a three-point game and play really well. That school bus line, like I said, you know, we're not depending on, on Belmar to score goals. And then he scores, you know, the first one on their first shift. You know, it, if you pay attention to that first few minutes, like they were speed jumping on lines, you know, it was yes. like a rally line. It was the point line, you know, and then the fourth line comes on and they're the one that scores. So, um, you know, they were almost trying to put, you know, kind of brain scramble the Leafs a little bit there early on in the opening minutes. And then all of a sudden the fourth line comes on, the school bus line comes on and just, you know, you, you saw Perry kind of like swoop around. He's, you know, he's putting shot attempts in. you know, they're in front of the net. All three guys were right there in front of the net there on that on that, uh, Belmar goal. So I think as much as it's about talking and, and, and like what guys say, this game was about action and it was definitely about like kind of putting their money where their mouth is in a lot of ways. And and the, that fourth line, the school bus line was, was really the, the best example of it because those guys haven't had great seasons. And, you know, those were the guys that when you, when experts looked at this series, that was the weak link of the lightning. Like everyone was saying like, okay, you know, that, that lineup with that line with a 38 year old, a 37 year old and a 35 year old, isn't going to hang with the Leaf speed, especially at home when they can control the matchups. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, and, and it's amazing to see what that line did last night because I don't think, it, like, I'll be honest, I don't think I expected that from them. And, um, you know, they, they came out and like I said, you know, they really kind of put their money where their mouth is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the expectations of, you know, the lines and not expecting as much out of the school bus line, We know that Coach Cooper throws things in the blender a bit. Stamco's functioning on that top line for now. Hagel and Sorelli and on the second line. Do you think that these lines were a big factor in the fact that they took away the middle of the ice from the Toronto Maple Leafs? And more specifically, not only did they take away the ice, they had some crucial turnovers in that portion of the ice to basically shorten their strides to make this happen. Um, You saw Brandon Hagel pick, Pick a couple pockets. So just the setup of all of that, I I think of one thing in particular. I think of when they beat the Bruins three to two before All Star Week, and the what felt like the magic formula was putting Hegel and Sorelli on that same line. I think Kowalchuk was with them as well. Um, what were your thoughts about the lines and their ability to control the center of the ice? Something that they're you know somewhat inconsistent with.
0: Yeah, for sure, and and and, and that's the key. You know, it's a controlling the center of the ice. It's, it's protecting the front of the net. And, you know, cause if you do that, Vasilevsky is going to win games for you. And, um, you know, you're right. I, 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 it's a good point about that, that series, that Boston game. And, and when they put those, those guys together, and I always think even earlier ahead is when those three guys were actually put together in the first place, which was after the lightning went down 2-0 in the Eastern conference finals last year. And yeah. they put those three guys together and they just gelled and it's because they all kind of have similar games and, um, they're all incredible four checkers. They all play well against the boards. They battle for pucks like hell and they create chances and they're all about the possession game, but it's natural. Like, it's like, I, I love that line. Like, I just like, and, and especially with Sorelli and, and Hagel together, because, you know, th- there's no doubt that those are two guys that with their effort, with their compete levels, that they bring other guys into the fight and, yeah. um, you know, and Killorn, too. You know, um, Killorn's game is obviously a little bit more of a power forward game. But at the end of the day, those three guys, they're, they're, their styles just fit so well together. And obviously, you know, Hagel's kind of the X factor. Right? I think everyone knows that there is that, you know, he scored 30 goals. And he we know that he can play, you know, with the points and the Kucherovs, which isn't necessarily easy. Like, Brandon Hagel's made that easy. You know, but it's not necessarily easy to play with, with Nikita Kucherov and Brandon Point because they are so elite. And they're yeah. such good skilled position players. So, you know, and, and so I wouldn't be surprised to see in certain circumstances that, you know, you see Hagel back up there and maybe you see Stamkos back down, you know, on, on the two line, but um, we've seen a lot of that, you know, but right now you go with what works. And obviously, you know, when you get, you know, two point two points, points from, uh, from, from point and Kucherov, uh, you know, connecting on those goals. I know they were on the power play, but, you know, those guys have such good synergy and obviously the, the what that, what that Sorelli line is able to do, um, you know, you stick with what works, but at the end of the day, like, who's to know that, you know, after one game, you know, Cooper is, is, he doesn't stick to it. He won't wait, you know, to, to, to mix the lines up and, you know, as much as the depth of this team is criticized right now and, and, you know, it is justifiable because, you know, you don't have a big game player like Andre Palat anymore and you don't have a big, <laughs> a big game, you know, stay at home guy like, like Ryan McDonough anymore. But at the end of the day, you know, the, the more you doubt the lightning, the more they come in and, and and make you pay for it. So, um, you know, now, you know, right now, like you said, they're riding high, but um, John Cooper won't hesitate to switch it up if he needs to in mm-hmm. game two early on, if it, if it doesn't work out, you know, and obviously, again, that's what's made this team good in the postseason yeah. is, is that they're able to make, make adjustments game to game, period to period, shift to shift even. And, um, you know, so I'll be, I'll be really interested to see how that works out in game two, because you're going to see a different Leafs team. There's no doubt. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be, if if they were desperate coming into this series, they're going to be a lot more desperate now because they do not want to go down 2-0 into game three in Tampa. So, um, they're going to be pulling out all the stops and they they pull them out a lot of different ways because they have a lot of different skills and you know, they can hit a little bit now, a lot more than they, they could last year, and they can defend a lot better than they could last year. So um, yep. I expect to see, you know, a little bit different team. So And, and, and Cooper won't hesitate to, to switch it up if he needs to.
1: Absolutely. Do you have time for one more question? Kind of a yeah, combo sure. question. All right. <laughs> Your level of confidence or panic if this team does continue forward without Hedman and Chernak. We've seen this team in playoffs and postseasons down key crucial players with injury, and then be able to manage. Um, where's your head at with that? And then maybe if you want to give us your series prediction to close out.
0: Yeah. So without Hedman and Chernak, it is concerning obviously Mm -hmm. that's a depth situation because you, no matter who you call up from, from Syracuse, and I don't necessarily have like a, you know, who this would, who those guys would be if you needed guys. Um, those are two of your top guys, you know, Victor Hedman's your top defenseman. Eric Ternak's your, you know, top right shot guy. He's your top shot. One of your top shot blockers. He's one of your top PK guys. Um, he's one of your best physical players on the ice. So losing those two guys is would be very tough. Losing one of them, I think, you know, is bad enough. But right. I think you can make way with that. You know, you got Zach Bogosian. You know, he, he you got he's got veteran experience. But losing two, then you've got to tap into the really tap into the depth. You know, you got Hayden flurry back there too. But, um, but I think that uh, it's also the postseason, and a lot of those guys took days off towards the end of the season to kind of rest up. And one day doesn't heal your body by no means from an 82 game schedule, but I think it plays into one of the narratives that this team has run with throughout the postseason with their success. And the word is sacrifice. And, when you listen to them talk about what made what's made them successful, they always use that word. And yes. as the postseason continues, you know, and the body gets more beat up, you t- you always hear these stories, and you maybe you hear them after the fact, mm-hmm. but you know about what guys played through. And there's no doubt that Victor Hedman is playing through probably multiple things right now. You know, same thing with Eric Sturrock. He's been he's been banged up, you know, pretty much all year. You mm-hmm. know, but. I think it's going to be tough, you know, and concussions are a little bit different because you need clearance and it's a head injury and it's a little bit different, dealt with a little bit different way, but stuff that's physical, you know, sprains, you know, knee stuff, you know, shoulder stuff. I'd be surprised to see these guys miss very many games because they're not going to want to. And they see the end of this, this road and whether it's, you know, they want it to be mid June and then you can take a break, you know, can get through this. I mean, I think it was two years ago during that 2000 to that twenty one two thousand twenty one cup when Victor Hedman basically played through a, a like a a I want to say like a, a, a meniscus tear for from March into July all the way in. And, and we had no idea. <laughs> right. And we had no really idea. We knew he wasn't the same because he wasn't didn't have that that same kind of spark to his game, mm-hmm. but played through it. And that's one thing that these guys do now, obviously not knowing the severity of these injuries. And especially like you said, with Isamont and, and Chernax, those seem to be head injuries. And so that's a, like I said, that's a little bit dicey. Those are taken a lot more seriously. Those will keep you out. But at the end of the day, like I expect to see Victor Hedman, if not in game two, pretty soon after that. And yeah. um no, Victor Hedman is one of the biggest gamers, you know, I, I've ever seen in any sport. And I don't think, much is going to keep him out of important games in the postseason. Mm-hmm. So, um, like I said, without knowing how serious that injury is. But um, – and and what was your second question? Sorry.
1: Yeah, no problem. All that to say, what's your series prediction of uh, Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning?
0: So, if you had asked me this before yesterday, I honestly would have said that I thought the Leafs would have won the series in seven. I didn't tell anyone that. But <laughs> Here I, I think- you first. But um, I think right now, and game two is so important because, like I said, you're going to see those adjustments. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that the Lightning will win series in six games. And I think, you know, you're going to see a pushback from the Leafs. Um, but, again, this series is all mental. This game is all about confidence and, and putting doubt in guys' minds. And for both teams but it is so much bigger for the Leafs. And, you know, I I wish people could actually be here in Toronto and see it because we, we really in Tampa don't get a grasp of that. And I feel, I honestly feel bad for the players. I feel bad for the fans. And because with any little opportunity of doubt, it just creeps in and it is amazing. Like I, I, I I guess you could compare it to the Cubs curses, you know, before they won, or you can compare it to like some of these things, but I have never seen such a thing as this and it is all mental. And, you know, it does not matter that you have Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and whoever the heck you put in goal. But once that doubt creeps in, that is the Leafs' biggest obstacle. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: they, and the lightning have planted that seed now. And that's what matters right now as we sit here entering game two. The Lightning have planted that seed, and again, Game Two is going to be big. The Leafs could come back; they're a great team. Um, You know, they have tons of tons of talent, and and they have the ability to win. You know, we—I guess maybe we forget about how close the Lightning were to losing that series last year. Yeah, and they're a better team this year. So, um, but I just got to go with that little seed of doubt, And, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they can just keep on digging that seed and. And putting it in, um, again, that's going to be the Leafs' biggest obstacle. Like I said, there's nothing I've ever seen of it. In, I've covered sports in 25 years, all different sports, and I've never seen what the Leafs face every time, you know, in the postseason. It's it's amazing. Yeah. And like I said, I wish, and, and when you're here and you hear the questions that those guys get asked and you hear the constant scrutiny that they're under and you hear how they get booed when they go down, you know, by three goals after one period, mm-hmm. it's just –
1: by their own fans. I,
0: I, <laughs> yeah, by their own fans. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing.
1: Wow. Well, great point. Thank you so much for bringing that to Pucks and Bolts because I'm sure no one would have realized how crucial that mental aspect was. We talk about it heading into Stanley Cup playoffs because of what playoffs is, but to know what teams may be more easily defeated by something like that than others, that's a big thing to pay attention to. So pay attention, Bolts fans, because Ed Cena just delivered up something tremendous, Ed. As usual, thank you so much for joining us here and bringing your knowledge, your perspective, and all good things. Ed did get an article up on last night's game. I did see that first thing this morning. Go check that out. And then because we talked about Bellomar and his veteran presence and the silence that he brings to this team with such a huge veteran presence, you also had another amazing article just kind of breaking down his journey. Something else to check out for BOLDS fans other than that. Thank you so much for joining us for Pucks and Bolts. As mentioned, because we were on playoffs, all of the excitement, making sure the Tampa Lightning continue to silence doubts and uh, let people know it's not over until it's over. Download the Odyssey app, search Pucks and Bolts, hit the auto-download button to have all brand-new episodes just sitting there waiting for you as we continue to deliver throughout Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm Casey Hudson, joined by Ed and Cena, and thank you for joining us at Pucks and Bolts. We'll catch you guys next time.
0: 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.